2: Listener, welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse, and for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. They've got science to celebrate.
3: demons now. After Black Come on. There's rebellion in the wind. It would Everything I've said is true, it's real.
2: Manish robots? I'll put those here to test our faith. damn lie, I, I saw them on my own eye! Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? We did
4: illusions, man! None of it is true! I know it's This is
3: mass madness, you maniac! In God's name, you people
0: are the real thing! We are the illusion. Dare you!
5: Oh, fucking, I binned, I completely binned that intro. Did you? I didn't know it. On the stream, yeah. Oh, oh. I hope it's working. Anyway. Uh, hello, and bienvenue, k'nichiwa, ni hao, jambo. Jambo. Um, yeah, welcome to the Deep Amish Inquisition. share cast. Oof. Deep Amish Inquisition. Share. Rough. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm, I'm, I'm Amish Phil.
4: I'm Amish Ben. Uh which Matt. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of
5: madness. We've got Andy here. Andy's here from the Deep Share.
2: What up? How's it going, guys? Hey, Andy. Good. good. Nice to meet you. Yeah, good, thank
5: you. Yeah, it's been a while in the works this. I think we first messaged each other right at the start of the summer when I was on holiday.
2: Yeah, that's it's right. Like, yeah,
5: let's get this done. And we're yeah, finally
2: here. <laughs> you guys had a nice little trip, right?
5: i did i went uh, I, I sent you a little a video of me doing uh what's it called the uh the line the uh, uh <laughs> strip strip not strip line. Uh, zip, line. A zip
2: line yeah <laughs> yeah
5: yeah we're all holidaying in our own countries obviously at the moment the way yeah. things are going but yeah <clears throat> yeah it doesn't uh yeah i don't i was gonna say i don't think international travel's gonna be on the cards in the in the near future for most of us i mean you must be you must be pretty optimistic andy because you know with all the shit that's going down uh, it must be comforting to have like the most popular president ever <laughs> the, the guy yeah. with the most votes ever
2: it's ever. like america's always been that self-inflated kid on the playground but now he's just gone completely off the rails and everyone's just like what is happening oh it's sad
5: (laughs) yeah we're talking about how divisive it was before we started recording and uh it's it's just so easy people get sucked in and they play into it Mm -hmm. and uh you know they just love to divide us and conquer us and get people working against each other. If you can disconnect from all that sort of stuff and try and see the funny side of of the absurdity, I think that helped.
2: Hell yeah, man. And
5: I think that's why it helps to do, you know, what we're doing in, in the podcast realm and and trying to make light of things and other guys, like we were talking about legit bat before and OBDM, OBDM the same, you know, there's so much quality content out there for people who want to disconnect from the mainstream.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't have to be all gloom and doom. I mean, we all talk about a lot of the hot things and that they are, can be kind of negative or scary or whatever. But I think that's that's our drive to kind of inform people that aren't aware of the, the dirt. But, like, once you get through the dirt, there's so much amazing shit to talk about and, like, what we're capable of. Like, what they, the whole reason why... We have this negative force kind of imposed on us sometimes you know it's like it's because we need to find out what's we're really capable of, and you know what they're hiding from us is exactly that usually you know,
4: so Phil's just messing around with the uh
5: the live stream here, oh, that's but yeah, cool, man. <laughs> ben ben sort your camera out because every time your camera drops out like the twitter handles move over our faces and stuff yes <laughs>
3: <laughs> unlimited power sorry about that i'll um i'll, I'll uh not do that <laughs> please continue <laughs>
5: how many how many episodes are you on now andy on the deep share I,
2: man i don't know uh, like I think well, I've edited down, like I have like a bunch of them to drop still, I'm like kind of trying to catch up right now because I keep doing more episodes, but I, you know, keep, there's only so many hours in the week to put it all out. So I keep getting, getting behind, but I've having a lot of great conversations. It's like my brain is thinking way ahead of, you know, the amount of time I need like 36 hour days. That's what I need. I need, <laughs> I work on like a 36 hour day and it's just, the world doesn't agree. So I lose a lot of sleep. <laughs> but you guys have a shitload of episodes. You guys have been out around for a while. You guys have been hustling like crazy, man. Congratulations if, on
5: that's that. That's the way we like to be described. Yeah, hustlers.
2: <laughs>
4: I think I think
5: we did it. I think we did about 40 episodes before we even released any.
3: never
2: see the light of
3: day.
2: <laughs> Dude, it's like, I don't know. Like my original plan was to kind of do that. Like, I'm gonna get way ahead and then just like. Easily release them week to week, but
1: oh no, you know, no at the time. No,
5: no, I mean, we never release them, <laughs> <Ever>. we never, <laughs> they're, just... they're unreleasable. Yeah, they're would be, oh. would be practice, would be canceled by breakfast. <laughs>
3: oh,
2: <yeah. laughs> I had a podcast like that entirely before, it was like an entire practice oh. podcast, and yeah, <laughs> it's gone with the wind.
4: So what what is the format of your podcast? Is it Do you do kind of series and things like that or seasons, I should say?
2: I mean, I'm, I guess like most of the podcast apps like ask what season it is. So I usually use yeah. that, but I wasn't really planning on doing that. But, you know, it might be nice to initiate that as like a good point to take a nice little vacation for myself, perhaps like <laughs> <through> the seasons. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for the most part, I do like interviews with guests in certain fields and stuff like that. Um, right, okay. I'm starting to get more serious about um, mini series of roundtables, kind of getting different perspectives yeah. on a, a big topic that interests me. So I'm oh, doing wow. one That's good. I'm in the midst of one right now that I'm calling the witness. And it's basically focused on different pathways that humans take to uh, reach a very to me, similar place or transcendent experience from paranormal to psychedelic to near death experiences, uh, alien encounters, you know, that's just part of the gamut. But it's to give a good, you know, gradient, I guess, to the different Mm -hmm. many different ways that we can come to the same kind of perennial philosophy that exists within kind of starts here. And that's my take on it, this kind of using consciousness as the starting point and that, uh, you know, everything is suspect in this three dimension and and it can kind of all connect on a greater scale. Almost like I've been saying, you know, it does feel like the strings are being pulled a lot of times, but it kind of feels like they're being pulled from outside of the theater, you know?
5: From a different dimension, you mean?
2: Something like that. Or maybe it's just us and it's all illusion or something you know I once heard someone say like once we realize we are this place things will go along a lot better I think that 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 rings true in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. I think
5: uh, part of the problem is most of us are so caught up with our day-to-day life our daily grind the uh, responsibilities we have whether it's via parenting uh, job education all the rest of it we have so little free time compared to people living like 10,000 years ago, you know, like they Reckon hunter gatherers actually had quite a lot of free time. They got most of the hunting and gathering done, (laughs) you know, in a few hours in the morning. And then, you know, they got quite a lot of downtime to Sudoku. (laughs) Yeah, Sudoku. Yeah. Or transcendental meditation. One of the, you know, either, either. Did you see that those footprints that were, um, analyzed this week from was it North America, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it was. I can't remember exactly where. I want to say... I, no, I'm not even going to say because I can't remember. We could look it up real fast, though.
5: I had because a feeling that was went, I, really Ohio, maybe.
2: Yeah, that sounds right. Um, footprints. Yeah,
5: they found What's these... Uh, these footprints were found quite a few years ago, and then uh, they finally done some sort of chemical testing on them. New Mexico, yeah. I think. New, yeah. Was it New Mexico? New Mexico, like-
2: which doesn't surprise me. That area of the United States has a lot of old secrets. You know, there's um, ancient carvings and structures inside of uh, the Grand Canyon area that have, you know, have been kind of hush hushed or people are like it's blocked off with construction or you're not allowed back there. But people have taken videos and pictures and stories have been written and stuff like that, that whole area, man. So what do you think of this? What do you think of, of this? Because like, go ahead. Like, what do you guys think of this? Story coming out about these footprints.
5: Well, it makes complete sense to me that the while well, these footprints they reckon are twenty five thousand years old, right? Okay. Um, it's like Graham Hancock says: things just keep getting older, oh, and he's, he's, the, the he's... story of civilization right, okay. has to be complete, um, <clears throat> continuously, continuously be, you know, amended yeah. to That's account sad. for the yeah to account for evidence as it shows up. You know, it was mm-hmm. the same with beckley Tepe. And, um, you know, I've, I've no idea how ancient our civilization or our human race is. Mm-hmm. You know, scientific consensus would probably put it as somewhere around 180,
4: 200,000
5: years. Yeah. Um, fine. I could be a hell of a lot older though, for all I know. Yeah. Um, and what interests me is these you know potential cycles of civilizational reset yes and uh we in our our modern paradigm we tend to think of things like technology and civilization as being a linear progression and things just keep getting better and better and yeah we we forget like we had the dark ages in europe where technology and civilization took a decline you know the Mm -hmm. romans left in this country anyway the romans left this amazing infrastructure they had heated central heating in houses yeah. and baths and aqueducts and all this fantastic road network uh, postal, postal service couriers yeah everything was there and then when the romans left it all went to shit because we didn't have the skills to maintain it and you know in the in the process of a couple hundred years we were living in the dark ages yeah you know and we just forget we forget about that and we assume that we are the pinnacle and there's never been a civilization that's been as 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 advanced as us, and you know maybe there hasn't, maybe there has. I don't know. And what what sort of evidence are you going to find? You know, from I don't know, fifty thousand years ago, what's going to be left? But, scarcely anything.
2: Yeah, there's. I mean, I think there's some evidence out there, but there's it's really controversial. Um, you know, for instance, are you familiar with Michael Cremo's work with forbidden? history and he's found you know uh, evidence of human remains supposedly in sediment that was six million years old Uh, modern human remains so and of course he's been discredited in in most uh, i would say mainstream ways of, of suggesting he's pseudoscientific but they don't they can't discredit him he's a part of like the international archaeological associate you know all these prestigious places that recognize him as who he is so it's like and he's looking at primary archaeological data so you know not history books not archaeology history books not books in our school systems nothing like that it's the the geo, the the archaeologists from a long time ago that were first recording this information probably before it was corrupted and redacted and et cetera, et cetera. you know so who knows how many cycles we may have gone through because i do like that cyclical idea everything else is cyclical and it goes right back to my idea with consciousness and everything. it's not my idea really but my perspective on it with you know everything is cyclical it's all the spiral that's what i like
5: <laughs> yeah I mean, <laughs> another one thing of- that
2: they've stolen from us <laughs>
5: One of the rabbit holes I'd like to go down is the role that the Smithsonian's played, particularly North America, when it comes to this. Um, it, we, hinted at it when we had Adam on the giant guy. Yeah, he did Adam, a little bit, didn't he? Yeah. I've forgotten his surname now. Um, but he was, um, he wrote a book about, uh, ancient Hebrews coming to North America. Yeah. Um, I can't remember his surname now, but he's it's been on ancient, um, Earth ancients, I think, and various other shows like that. I'll, I'll send you his his contact info anyway if true, you yeah. um but he sort of hinted at the way the smithsonian may have corrupted the historical record and yeah were uh, sort of selective with what they would show to not just the general public but researchers coming and wanting to look at you know wanting to do their own first-hand research you know the you got you know I'm, i that's one thing that concerns me when you read about history and stuff is 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 uh how much of this stuff is under lock and key you know i'd love to go to somewhere like the vatican archives and just see what's in, what's in there you know what's in there what tasty bits have they got that they're not letting to your public see we?
4: oh no i was thinking i was dreaming then that we had jordan peterson on as a guest <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh oh, i was trying to figure out if it was if it was something to listen to on a jordan peterson podcast or right. it was a guest that come in but I think it was Jordan Peterson who'd been into the Vatican archive for something.
5: He's been in, has he? Well, yeah. Did but he it... tell him to tidy the room? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. He might have been a guest. <laughs> that it was on there. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. I th- yeah. I'd I'd like to do more of the sort of alternative history stuff. Uh, just to get away from the conspiracies a bit more.
2: Well, I think we get to the conspir like without needing to get kicked off of every you know social service out there that we have we don't have to really go that route to expose what's going on. And it, and honestly, I think on a cognitive level, it's a lot more, oh, what's the right word? Less panicky, less stressful to to kind of see how it's always gone rather than what's right in our faces. At least we can kind of maybe approach what's happening currently from a more collected point of view and and like maybe more mature if we can see it all as this pattern through history of being run by these little infants with giant egos that can't grow up because that's what i think it is now (laughs) i'm pretty convinced you know it's 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 just it's tons of people that have never done the deep work right Root, like convincing millions and millions of other people who also have never been taught to do the deep work, you know, to do what they say and everything. And it's just this horrible cycle. So I think if we go back to the roots of everything is always the better way to kind of get up to speed on what to do next and how to approach mm-hmm. these infant parasites that can't grow up, you know, and need us desperately to do things for them. So they trick us, try to trick us all the time you know where does it come from you know
5: yeah how how did you get into the sort of alternative history stuff was there a particular author or a podcast or something that got you interested in the subject
2: honestly it was my psychedelic experiences like 15 20 years ago um i've ever since then when there was no online like endless online communities to get involved with and kind of you know bounce ideas off of and kind of grow your own personal philosophy within the community there was none of that back then and even among friends i was the only one coming back from my trips completely spiritually blown away everyone else was like that felt great it looked great it was funny as hell that was that was awesome what a wild time it wasn't like that for me i was you know, I became the Indiana Jones, the (laughs) James Joyce, man, like it hit me hard. So at that point in my life, I was hooked. So I had to look into, you know, bookstores and who was writing about this. So all my, I found all my dead heroes and it just kept getting further and further and further into the, into the past. And then I found like the stoned ape theory about, you know, psychedelics being part of our evolution and whether that's I don't, you know, we're not really finding that that's necessarily provable yet, but we are proving that clearly religion and psychedelics have a very, very intimate connection. It seems as though at least the realms that I've gotten to on occasion with psychedelics are clearly the experience that every religion is talking about. And that's when I got into meditation and all these other areas and kind Mm of, you know, that whole line of thinking always brushes up against. Conspiracy theory and alternative history and things like that, you know.
5: Yeah, there's all I've I've done a few books in the last couple of years on that sort of uh, theme of psychedelics and religion. So there's there's like Marco Allegro's books, yeah, sacred mushroom oh, yeah. and the cross. And uh, there was a really good recent one by Brian Murescu, I think he's called rescue isn't it? Yes. Yeah, the Immortality Key. Yeah. <laughs> and that was um that was more well it, it was mainly focused on the ancient mystery schools in Greece
3: yeah
5: uh, and then how that was you know possibly as if the theory is correct how that was parlayed into early Christianity yeah. but yeah. uh yeah these sort of transcend um transcendent experiences seem to have a a re, you know a, a seriously long history. I'm trying to think of what you know. I guess. I mean, I guess like the ayahuasca ceremonies are a continuation of that, aren't they?
2: Yeah, I would say. I mean, maybe a, maybe a continuation, but I don't. I don't know the the roots of ayahuasca, the 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 cultural roots of it. When anthropologists have have talked to Amazonian tribes, they always tell them because the the fascinating thing about ayahuasca is that it's one part. It's one root of a plant, and then to make the DMT orally active in your system, you have to use an entirely different part of another plant from the Amazon among 50 million different species down there. <laughs> so when anthropologists would ask them how you ever discovered how you had to brew these things together, they would just say that the plants whispered it to them. So. Uh, <sighs>
5: <laughs> but the thing is, what, what's the prosaic explanation? Trial and error.
2: I guess I mean with 50 man. million
5: different plants and I mean
2: how many of them will be lethal? <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> exactly. Yeah, dude. And how yeah, and how many mm. how many combinations is that though? That's not just 100 million. <laughs> no. You're trying to trying to put two together uh, I don't know, that's nuts.
5: Well, I mean, I think I think um, is it what's the um, the compound? It's in it's in lots of plants.
2: Um, probably dmt dimethyltryptamine
5: dmt i think is in quite a lot of plants it's the inhibitor isn't it that w- yeah. is the key
2: the the what the hell is it
5: Yeah, so it's mean i mean i, mean, I love, uh, inhibitors <laughs> yeah so,
2: something yeah. something science talk uh, something <laughs>
5: yeah no my memory's not what it used to be <laughs>
2: That's have right.
5: you have you done ayahuasca
2: I've never done ayahuasca I've done DMT but I I, ayahuasca seems to me very similar to what I I got from mushrooms and uh, mescaline the two uh not that I wouldn't try it it's just that um I think the the reports sound very just as positive and just as transformative and and spiritual. I know there's a lot of people out there that really define the different experiences, and I know some of them are pretty stark, but I think a lot of it sends you to the same part of your head, you know, your experience, because it's really just you. Our brain, have, our brain has receptors for these chemicals, and then these chemicals go in like a lock and key system, so it's just kind of opening a door and allowing the brain to do what it probably would do if we didn't have to maintain our lives you know what i mean we're we're focused like this to survive, but this is what's going on you know
5: were you um did you like have communication with what was on the other side
2: yeah, I did definitely um I don't know what the other side is i i it felt like myself, but could have been like a god type part of the brain maybe i don't know i'm not an atheist but i'm also not religious i'm kind of just open-minded to all of it you know very gnostic Mm. in that sense it's it's like this inner gnosis of self or spirit or something like that i don't know what's your take on do you guys have have psychedelics in your history
4: (laughs) um i I don't know i think the more i've kind of looked into it recently the more interested i am in kind of doing it Basically, mm-hmm. simply because of um, a lot of this, there's been a, a lot more kind of, well, scientifically based research, I suppose, you know, in the UK recently. And I know in America for the last sort of 20 years, there's a guy, at John Hopkins, has been researching it. Mm-hmm. Um, and mainly in the UK, the one is, is run by Professor Nutt. M is his name, but basically he used to be um, the government's advisor on like on drugs, wasn't he, and alcohol and things like that. And he got sacked, like in his first week, because someone asked him, um, "Well, you know, what what do you think are the most dangerous drugs?" And he went, uh, "Well, tobacco and, and alcohol." And, and they asked him, "Well, what what would you do with marijuana?" Well, I wouldn't sort of classify it and you know and things like that. So he's immediately sacked by the government, yeah. basically. Yeah, but what, I'm, what when sort of the things I've read and listened to and all the rest of it, it, it seems like it's a, um, it, it seems to reset the brain. That's the kind of the, the vibe or the, the sort of the reading I get from it in that what tends to happen is you have like a, a kind of a, a, a standard operating of your brain in terms of your thoughts and it can tend to cycle around the same thing. So That would either keep you feeling anxious or depressed. Um, but when you have one of these trips, what it does is it resets that and it gives you a new order of thinking, but what can happen, unfortunately is about six months or so it can just go flip back to the old kind of method of thinking essentially. Um, so I, am quite interested in it from, from that aspect, but also, um, everyone sort of says uh, like 80% of the people say do it under these kind of um research trials um that it's like one of the most it's either the most or one of the most um meaningful experiences in their lives essentially so i I just find that absolutely
5: fascinating yeah these are trials where aren't they trying to treat people with things like ptsd all
4: different kinds of things yeah yeah. addiction addiction yeah depression The one with Professor Nutt was for depression, basically severe and enduring um, depression. Was he so using
2: psilocybin?
4: Psilocybin, yes. Yeah, so five milligrams, um,
2: microdosing.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's a huge problem here. What's that? You can't patent a naturally occurring. Well, chemical. yeah, no. So they'll, they'll it's not know. a
2: problem. <laughs> that's a good yeah, thing. Yeah,
5: they'll change it, won't they, won't they? Yeah, no, but it's no good for you know Pfizer or anyone like that. You know. No. That's very um, but it,
4: um, it seems to work. That's the thing for a lot of people. Um, and like some people, quite a lot of people take it um, who've, who, sorry, there's a few stories of people in the research who have been on, tried lots of different kinds of therapies, tried lots of different SSRIs, um, none of it worked. And then they took one dose of psilocybin and that was it, It was like a light bulb kind of moment just switched, said, right, everything's going to be okay. The other thing that that's what, what I was going to, sorry, are going to say yeah, was, um, in. um, for people who have like a chronic fear of death. So who might be, um, terminally ill with cancer say, and they're absolutely terrified of dying and they're going to die in six months time. take a dose of psilocybin, um, 80, percent of them have no fear of death after taking it, cause they just know that it's going to be okay essentially. Find
2: like that fascinating. I like that you put it that way because that was when you asked me about contact. That's the contact I had. I felt like I had mm. the warmest hug I've ever had, the most meaningful one yeah. ever, and the voice was mine, and it said, "Everything always has been okay. Everything always will be okay, and everything always is okay." Mm. And that was it. And and actually, recently, I've trying to change that. I'm trying to turn it into everything has been fucking awesome and everything (laughs) will be fucking awesome because I'm not going to settle for okay anymore, you know, and none of us should. Yeah. And I think that's the message of psychedelics is to jumpstart something, you know, it's a, it's a lifting off point. I, I think, uh, there's a lot of negative about it too, because when things like John Hopkins or, you know, Harvard or these big Mm. prestigious places, very connected to all the people we don't like, research these things and try to give them to us in a medical format like we've kind of Mm. wanted all along, it's very suspicious and for good reason. But I Mm. don't think, I wanna say this, I don't think the psychedelic experience itself can be manipulated. You can Mm. be, the mind can be manipulated, post, pre, whatever. But the psychedelic experience is, like I said, a lock and key and you open that door and you have that experience, whether you like it or not, whether they like it or not. So, I mean, I don't like when we distrust psychedelics amidst the government's interest in them. A lot of people fall down that kind of hole where, oh, well, they're pushing LSD back from the 60s. No, they were trying to use the force. You know, they, the dark side was using the force, man. But I don't want to rely on psychedelics only because I think it's a message you can get here on your own, because I think after those experiences, I, I had the strongest ability to be able to just go out in the backyard weeks after an experience like that and still like stare for thirty seconds, and bring back a lot of the visualization and the meaning that came mm. with the experience. You know, it's all in here. It just gets locked away.
5: I remember, uh, I remember when we were at school and hearing different anecdotes about psychedelics and stuff. Like there was one, uh, a guy thought it was an orange and peeled himself and yeah. died. <laughs> These are stories we were told. An- another guy thought it was Superman and jumped off a building. Yeah. yeah. And you get and you get uh, scare stories Mm -hmm. like with when we're a little bit older about ecstasy and people dying in clubs. Mm -hmm. And it's not the MDMA. It's what it's cut with. Mm -hmm. That was that that kills people. Um, But I wonder how much of that is just uh, sort of schoolboys like what they call like an urban myth. So how much of that is actually government messaging filtering down? I,
4: I believe it can go wrong. In that it can induce, like you can get a drug-induced, yeah, psychosis. Because basically, what when you sort of do uh, it's it's completely different. But if you do an MRI scan of someone who's got um, schizophrenia or psychosis, the brain lights up in exactly the same way that it does if you're on if you're on psilocybin, LSD, something like that. So again, what seems to happen is similarly, like when you've got psychosis or schizophrenia, whatever, there's kind of like um. A central operating kind of guy, humunculus, uh, who is in control of everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, dude.
2: Well, think about it. I mean, I love phonetics, yeah. you know, and the way in wordplay, and so insane, right? You're okay yeah. in here. Yeah. <laughs> this is another story.
3: <laughs>
4: well, that that's the other thing as well is you know when someone's psychotic, they're they're perceiving it, what they're perceiving is real because that it's all being filtered through your brain and your eyes. And, yeah. and so that is absolutely real 100 percent it's not re- <laughs> real real but it is real to them Do you know what, what is I
2: mean? real you exactly know? <laughs> yeah exactly
4: it's when it's all perceived who Especially knows what out we there? also
2: have modern quantum physics which i know right now a lot of us don't yeah. trust a lot of scientists but science itself is still pretty awesome and i i don't i don't know about mm. any of these you know deeper theories about the shape of our earth and all that. But I mean, what we do know about quantum physics, if we can take it at face value is they're kind of showing us that physical reality is not physical Mm. and that's been out there for a long time. And we just kind of brush it off. A lot of people go, Oh, that's creepy and weird. eh," And they just walk away (laughs) from it and go back to whatever they're doing. But like when you really think about it and you start to understand why that, that idea is coming out of science And then you match that with law of attraction or law of assumption or, or, you know, this deep mystical state we can get into. Um, That's why I'm doing this, this mini series, The Witness, because it's all about these different, very different experiences, UFOs. What, you know, I don't know. It could all be part of some field of ourselves that we just aren't seeing and can't understand from this subjective standpoint you know, mm-hmm. and who knows how deep it goes.
5: Yeah, and there's so many different routes to this sort of state of consciousness, isn't there? There, there are external external chemically induced states and mm-hmm. some people use kundalini yoga. Mm-hmm. Well, that was what, yeah, meditation.
4: what I was going was like, you know, when people have done these, um, had the trips and stuff, it tends to be that afterwards they get into like meditation and things like <laughs> that and they do it themselves, you know, without yeah. having to... Like what you were saying, you know, around sort of just being able to go in the backyard and re-engage with what you experienced, basically.
5: Can these people fucking Netflix and be happy with it? (laughs) That's what I did.
2: That's what I did for so long. I had to turn a lot of this shit off. Remember when I was saying how, like, there was no online community? Yeah, and Like, yeah. you know, eventually it just was like, all right, I'm going to just go. It's like that meme of Homer going back into the cornfield. Or <laughs> just, you know, it's like a, Never mind about anything I said <laughs> for a it long just, time.
5: We're sort of distracted to death, aren't we? We're, we're, uh, yeah. and, it's, and it's got so much worse since the advent of the smartphone. I mean, it's, mm. it, oh my gosh, there's such a time. And surface. content. Like, the content ugh. wars.
4: That's the other thing I'm finding, you know, like the, uh, the, the monthly subscriptions for everything, mm-hmm. So you know, like, you, you know, Disney, Netflix, the sky satellite television here in the UK, mm-hmm. HBO max, things like that, you know?
2: Yeah. Sky has a lot of cool programs on it. Usually I actually, mm. I actually, yeah. Find them on a number of my channels or whatever I watch, but yeah.
5: Right.
2: Yeah. Do you watch you a know, lot of
5: documentaries?
2: Yeah, not as much as I should. Uh, I don't know. I used to. I feel like I'm on information overload currently over the past couple of years. So, I mean, it's a lot easier to pace myself on the older stuff, you know, read about ancient language and stuff like that, you know, where cultures came from. Right now, I'm obsessed with Box Saga, if you guys are familiar with that
1: What's that?
2: Oh my! Well, we can go into a little bit, but it's—I'll tell you this—it's something that is really hard to just blurt out. A, a, you know, it's—it's it's a story that comes from Finland from a single man that the claims are that it comes from his family and passed down since the beginning of time, and that. <sighs> that his family that the one that he comes from which is the bach family bachstrom it becomes uh is the first family the first human family on earth and it goes into all sorts of different uh redirecting history the uh, even the stuff that we've been learning for the past few years about like tartaria and things it's it's this box saga is turning things on its head in ways i really didn't expect it to because it starts off in a pretty weird way and it makes a lot of big claims but then on the phonetic level of uh the root language that they attribute to this Bach saga supposedly is our first language. And the coincidences about this language are really, really just fascinating. And to go into it is, is too much. I won't do it here, but I'll definitely send you guys some links that you can look into and hear it from the horse's mouth from these videos, because the story is like orally passed down. They only just Hi. recently wrote a book. And actually, yeah, it's right here for anyone that's interested, The Box Saga and uh
5: oh cool there's the uh a rubber there on the cover as well
2: it's really interesting because it basically rewrites our ideas of even early egypt and things like that but it comes from a uh a scandinavian origination point the hair i'll tell you this one part of the saga <laughs> just to, just to wet people's appetite so oh. supposedly this is all based on what the saga suggests is that a long time ago the earth was not rotating on an axis point it was straight up and down and because of that the sun stayed i guess prospectively from the north pole to stay daylight 24 7 up here and where this north pole was was where helsinki is now that's the way the story goes and back then it was referred to simply as hell or home or completion or balance heaven basically So and we always talk about inversion in this community and what the Catholic Church has done to a lot of pagan society and heathen society is invert and discredit and all that. So we start right there with hell being a place in the north, not down below. And it's a heaven, not a horrible place. But the ironic part, it is where all these hot springs are and uh, this volcanic action going on in the planet when the earth Falls on its axis. This story claims that's the first Ragnarok. And we know that we know that from the Viking story. And when that happens, the whole planet gets covered in in snow and ice and it freezes over and most people die. But up there, and they even claim that the Gulf Stream has something to do with this. That's you know, comes right over where I live, up in the northeast of the United States, goes all the way straight over where Helsinki would have been up there. Um kept that one area and all the, the, the volcanic activity, kept that area unfrozen, or at least to a degree where they were able to survive in caves and underground subterranean cities that they ended up building. Built, building, Because they claim, the saga claims that this period lasted millions of years. So during this period, they referred to this time period as alt wan <laughs> tis A-L-T-L-A-N-T-I-S, which translates for them to all land ice. (laughs) (laughs) And eventually, once this ice melts, that's the second Ragnarok and the biblical floods. And then all these tall, now remember, they're living underground for millions of years. And the one thing I forgot to mention was the saga suggests that we were all tropical beforehand. Every race was tropical on the planet until this first Ragnarok. So now, fast forward, they've been living underground for millions of years. Their skin becomes white, their eyes turn blue. These tall, Nordic, blue eyed people with ice giants <laughs> with technology that they've been building safely for millions of years to send down to this newly thought out Earth with all these surviving people and then we have all these fucking stories about the shiny ones or the white tall nordics or the you know the ones that came to help you know we have
3: yeah. all
2: of it dude now I'm there's is, so uh, much th- more to it but that's yeah, just this is the teaser. same guy
3: who's um was banging on about auto fellatio and uh yep and how and collecting one's own sap and how it the original uh way to um procreate took like twenty-two thousand people or something
2: yep it's same guy right just so we're on the same page (laughs) dude it's insane and i i would (laughs) it's hard to get into the uh the language aspect of the story that makes so much sense how they've literally been able to take this root language and trace it like throughout our history and find out where cultures ended up and how names became other names. And it's really creepy. I mean, this guy was either an unbelievable genius mastermind trickster, or I don't know. I don't think he can be, I don't think, I think there's actually too much that has that, that like the actual Finnish lores from that area have in common with what he said. I don't know, man, you guys got to look into it though. It's pretty nuts. And I'm not an expert. I'm just, I want to, get people turned onto it so we can suss it out because if it is full of shit let's find out but if it's not and it's (laughs) leading to something like michael Tessarion, for instance from unslaved is like he at one point he was like convinced that the world isn't even ready for this yet but it needs to come out eventually by all means man
3: i mean you know eavesdroppers read the book or go to boxsaga.info, and you can hear all about how santa came from finland and before the ice time was the all father to all people on the planet and, uh, nice. you know, all your, all your, uh, also your tips.
2: That's <laughs> the crazy. Yeah. So that, so that's what I attribute. There is that in the mythology, there's this idea that these people had where the, you know, instead of like in the East where they do those, you know, karmic, what, you know, sutra things where they like, harness it and they can have they can be multi-orgasmic without releasing anything
5: yeah like stagnant
2: right so because like the seed is important or whatever so in this culture it's um, way more primitive way more ape-like in some ways form of that like they're collecting their seed they're keeping it in themselves by teaching themselves these yoga meditations (laughs) and jesus yeah it's very interesting you need
4: to get that stuff out man (laughs) Yeah. Uh, no, it's yeah. Genuinely, yeah. It's genuinely I,
2: I find that there's uh there's you know there's truth in every religious story, but there's also the big what ridiculous crazy shit part of it too. You know what I mean? And that's definitely part of that. But no wonder it took 000 it's people
3: to make a baby. They were doing it completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Yeah, there was spider, probably the Spider-Man in
3: the 22nd thousandth guy missed or whatever.
5: <laughs> yeah, and got it in the in the hole, the
2: bullseye. <laughs> yeah, it's Jesus. a real it's right. a deep it's a deep well, man. It's really because <laughs> <laughs> I
3: bet it was
2: <laughs> a lot of it is completely throws you off and it's like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> the other parts of it's like, oh holy shit, like linguists are turned on their heads and they don't know what to do about this. And They're like, well, you know, how is this? I don't. We don't understand how this is happening. Like, <laughs> we're yeah. tracing the like roots of the Germanic languages here. It's nuts. It's crazy.
5: I remember when I, I read uh, John Marco Like, I like all stuff. And um, the problem is, I just came away with it thinking. Well, this is a fascinating idea but i just don't have the tools to to be able to evaluate it i'm not a linguist he's mm. giving all these you know trained you know scholarly linguists are going over this stuff and trying to make sense of it what hope fucking i got
4: well that's the <laughs> you know? yeah that's the thing i think that's the thing with his book is you know it's all language based isn't it
5: yeah i and think i think philology it depends. is it called philology yeah. Yeah. it depends how you go into it i think if you go into it wanting to believe it You'll come away believing it. Mm. If, if you go into it not wanting to believe mm. it, which all his peers, yeah, you he know, was, he, he, yeah. Was, he was ostracized yeah. from the linguistic community for releasing mm. th-
2: those right.
1: books. Mm. you know, like so-
2: Zachariah Sitchin with all his Sumerian translations. You know, he's still, I had people on my show that have said, well, I respected Zachariah a lot, uh, but, you know, he got a lot of things wrong or he mistranslated this or he may have done this because he kind of fell down his own rabbit hole, this or that, you know what I mean? Maybe there's good intentions still there for the most part, you know, like this box saga thing. I don't want to say that it has, this is our, this is it. But I think it's a huge, I think, I think it has elements that we need to connect to other things. And that's the whole, that's really the essence of it is that it has a lot of valid information that we need to bring out and suss out and wonder and and figure out why it's connected to these other things. And because to me, what the box saga, the most interesting thing to me is that it's revealing uh, how our language is actually coded and how it can be fucked with and manipulated, because Mm. what the saga suggests is there's like original story to every sound in our alphabet. They have the same alphabet as modern English. And when you look into it, it's like they have their story and how these words evolved and how they changed and who changed them. It's it's a really interesting way to look at things. and I think it's probably our key to a lot of the ancient things that we have, like 90 percent of it, but we hmm. have a lot of linguistic missing parts, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and
5: anything that is is ancient and that has been passed down through all tradition has value in it. Outright, it has a value from an anthropological point of view, from a historical point of view. This is the stories that people, even if they are just stories, mm. it still has value in the fact that these are stories that people were telling themselves 10,000 years ago, from however far back it goes. Yeah. And yeah. There, there are still things that you can derive from that, even if it's 100% bullshit, it still has value. Right. You can't just write mm. things off because there's a bit of a crazy bit here, or a crazy <laughs> bit there. Everything warrants. The right yeah. attitude to a bit to it being researched yeah because just you, the, you the meaning even if it? you only find one or two nuggets here and there
4: mm. well that's the other thing that we always seem to come back and talk about isn't it about how sort of um it's a closed shop in academia and things and ideas tend to only change generationally yeah the death of a scientist yeah, yeah. The, the death of the sort of like the leading author on a particular topic goes and somebody else goes well hang on a minute there's a lot of evidence for this and then the whole thing kind of changes in the
5: discussion around. Um, yeah, I think it was David, true. Was it David Roll when he was on? He said that archaeology changes at the death of the archaeologist. The pace of the death of each archaeologist. Yeah, I think, think a few people answer. have said that. Really, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, people have built careers in a given mm. field. They've yeah. written textbooks, the teaching from textbooks, and if something comes uh, comes around that you know turns that the paradigm that they're living under on its head. And yeah. um, they will resist. And, you know, part of me says, well, that's a scientific method. They should resist. Mm. The evidence should be overwhelming. Overwhelming. Yeah. The, the worry is, is that things are very easily easily dismissed as you said, the, you mentioned the word earlier, pseudoscience. Mm. Anything that doesn't fit the current paradigm. And, it's getting, and that is getting worse. I mean, it's got worse just over the last 18 months for mm. different things, you know.
2: And then, but but then we also have it go the other way when we have someone like, um, michael Shermer from the skeptic society having to publicly apologize to graham hancock like last year or something for yeah and you know admitting yeah i guess i'm gonna have to give your work a second look or whatever you know so and know.
5: we've had it with the uh the younger dryas impacts hypothesis as well yeah the cosmic tusk yeah well we had the cosmic tusk on, yeah. on like over a year ago more it's about it's two great. years ago that, about now. yeah it's great it's uh, awesome. but since even since we came here there have been more of the skeptics have joined the comic research team yes people who that were the people who, the people who were writing papers trying to they were constantly trying to refute and refute and refute and eventually just gave up and said no you know your answer is better than ours yeah. we're, we're gonna we're, where are we going next lads <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i mean you know amen well i think you know i think <laughs> at I, least people are prepared to change that's you know. what i was going to say that's what we need we that... need people to be more Mm. more open to change even if they have you know spent a career building a certain
2: yeah i I think think that's that's a lot about someone doesn't it it's intimidating don't you think that like the more you uncover though the more you find and the more you change your perspective on these things the again the deeper the rabbit hole goes and the deeper archaeologists Mm. have to go you know what i mean it's like an ever unfolding process you know and i think it's again going back to it maybe just to go within or something because we're constantly searching externally
3: yeah
5: i enjoy it though i, lo- I like looking into ancient history that's one oh, yeah. of the probably the main i'm a bit of a. I have a bit of a shotgun approach to be honest when it comes to reading and I, particularly this year i've done an experiment this year where i've used a random number generator to pick the next book yeah that's awesome but, it is, but I've had some shit ones this year, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> that would have just stayed on the shelf gathering dust, I think.
2: But Which, uh, can you give, give me some examples, man? Uh,
5: well, I've just started today. I've started Going Clear, the Scientology oh. book by Lawrence Wright. I might uh, read that if you finish I it. watched
2: the documentary. Yeah. yeah, I didn't read it. Uh,
5: the one I finished today was um, a Christian apologetic book about Jesus Amongst Jesus amongst Other Gods by Ravi Zacharias. Uh, yeah, so I've had quite a bit of theology. I've had one on Neapolio, N- ne- Neapol- Neapolitan ice cream. Neapolitan ice cream and the Neapolonic Neapol- Wars. I can't even say <laughs> it. Napoleonic, Nicole- War. Napoleonic Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> gulag Archipelago. I got this. That was the first one out of the hat this Ooh, year. That one seemed to affect you a lot, the, the Gulag Archipelago. Uh, everyone should read that book. Absolutely everyone. <laughs> and uh, now more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very powerful book. Mm-hmm. And the, the line that's heavily quoted from that book in other books, and it was, in the last, it was quoted in the last book I read, is that the thin line divided, the thin line dividing good and evil ru- runs through the center of every man's heart.
2: Oh, yes. I've heard that one.
5: I yeah. It's, suggest- a great, it's a great. And that's line. from someone who was in the middle of it. He was in the Gulag, and uh, you get you get similar themes. I got a similar theme from um, *Man's Search for Meaning* by Victor Frankl, mm-hmm. who was um, a psychologist who was in uh, Auschwitz, and uh, wrote a book when he came out, cool. trying to sort of analyze the psychology of the guards and the inmates to a lesser extent. What were the motivations? How can how can you take so many seemingly normal people? And make them capable of doing the most heinous the most mm. horrific things and he, he came to uncomfortable conclusions well the uncomfortable conclusion from from for the reader is those guys were no different than us mm. and if if you know what makes you think if if you weren't in that situation that you would have been the guy who stood up and said no i won't mm. a lot of people will just go along with the crowd oh yeah and because the thing is you would have
4: ended up in there their account, wouldn't you basically
2: uh, i don't yeah but well, you would have or dead
4: well if it if enough people had stood up it wouldn't have oh, happened no, yeah i don't know so i'm not sort of excusing it you know what not, i mean that's the rally isn't it
2: it's also about our children and the next generation and it's like mm,
5: absolutely
2: is it is it that again that egoic inner child that goes well i don't want my child to live alone so I'm not going to stand up and I'm going to stay with him and everything. Or is it, is it more heroic to be like, I want to set an example and I will, I will die standing for him to understand that, you know, and that's a horrible mm. choice for anyone to, have to <laughs>
5: no, even yeah. think about.
2: I mean, shit, I'm getting choked up even thinking about it, man.
5: I don't that's watch, rough. I don't watch a lot of uh, movies anymore. But the, <laughs> the, the, there's a great movement uh, moment in the first Avengers movie. And it's when Loki lands on planet earth mm. and, uh, he kills someone and he's outside in a square with a bunch of people. And he tells the people to kneel mm. and they all kneel apart from one old man. And he, he says some worse, the effect of, uh, we don't, I, I won't kneel to a man like you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, Iron Man comes in and kicks, <laughs> kicks his ass and it, it ends all right. But yeah, you have got to draw a line somewhere.
2: I always found Loki to look so over-characterized in that scene, too. Like, his costume is so obtuse and ridiculous. It looks like a dumb kids costume you'd find and like not that the they did a great job on those movies you know but like just his costume in that scene with the big ridiculous horns <laughs> and it, it almost just like in a way like breaking the fourth wall towards the audience that kind of can see it it's just showing that it's all trickery and it's all theater and it's all wizard of oz bullshit like he's just a fake god like you know i know he was a real god but in my (laughs) eyes i don't know i saw it i saw this like theatrical clown standing there demanding everyone to kneel and he had to kill you know use his power that isn't his in this staff and prove his power to to make them kneel i believe before they do and it's just it's all magic and theater and distraction and misdirection and i think the more we talk about all this kind of shit the less Unless we pay attention to it, in like a subdued kind of way, you know, we can ignore it and move on with our lives. And shit, how much <laughs> of it is is just trickery? You know, where do we draw the line?
5: Yeah, and it's so passive as well. You know, watch uh, TV, mm. um, sports, movies. It, it's so passive. It's just something that, well, you you're a consumer basically. You're just sort of sitting down and consuming this stuff and. Uh, you know uh, everyone has to sort of come to their own judgement There's a certain point in their life where they would sort of analyze their behavior and think what 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 have i just spent the last 20 years doing man you know going to watch football that I hate i remember going to the north end and thinking like almost wishing them to lose so that I would i would have something to to moan about at work the next day you know <laughs> it's like a, that, is, that is pretty dark it <laughs> is it is it's like but you come to a point you think no no more I'm not doing this shit anymore I'm get, I'm just gonna stop you know and it's the same with TV there's so much sort of c grade dross yeah on the there's TV, a lot of you know. In there's, there there, yeah there's very little sort of high quality writing or storytelling anymore yeah especially true. more so in movies because it's all remakes and
2: not only that, but it's all cut, 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 cut. Like there's no Fast. acting. There's no feeling like, you know, you watch, like I got Jaws on right now. You watch Jaws, <laughs> man. And you you listen to Robert Shaw talk about the USS Indianapolis experience. And it's like, yeah. this is Now I'm not saying Tom Hardy couldn't pull that off in a sick reboot. That, <laughs> that actually might be a cool idea, but I'm just saying like I, it's only done in homage now you know you get a period piece or you got like a real artsy movie it's not just generally i would love to see an awesome action movie with great acting like i used to see i'm not talking like predator but like as much as i love that but like terminator you know that movie right there blade runner like whatever predictive programming be damned like these movies had (laughs) incredible acting and storytelling and i don't know for me it did not program me into someone who's just like oh that looks like a great future it programmed me to be ready for it just like you guys and a lot of other people in our community so it's like there's a lot of value in that rich well-developed storytelling that yeah it's you, you guys like hit it on the head it's like lacking that kind of feeling it's all reboots and shit these days you know
5: yeah it doesn't seem to be much depth depth to the to the movies <clears throat> not the ones that i've seen recently, well but
4: i've, yeah. I've seen so I watched a, a, good, a good film last night actually called credits. <laughs> <Yeah. What?
2: Predator. laughs> <laughs> it's called <laughs> it's called
4: the Green Knight. So I'd watch that. Oh, it's about the Holy Grail. Um, I, it's some 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 kind of Arthurian. Yeah, the Green Knight. Yeah. Um, tale. I based guess. on uh, Thomas Mallory, probably. I don't know. He said at the beginning, but it, it flashed up too quickly for oh, is me. To it,
5: is it Wolfram von
4: Eschenbach? It was called gr, gr, grua, grua, the main guy in it. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Gruer or something like that. I think yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I haven't um, heard of
2: that though.
4: And a tree comes in, and it's on Amazon Prime. If you've got <laughs> Amazon Prime, and uh, and says, uh, I, I, "You have to battle me," or something like that. <laughs> and like they say who's going to battle me and then this guy goes forward and he battle and like he chops his head off he says right in a year's time I'm going to do you. Uh, you have, we have to engage in combat and I will strike you the same way you struck me in a year's time basically Shit. and he chopped his head off basically so spoiler alert so <laughs> um, nice. but it's really good I, I, I thought that was a, a, it, <laughs> it was given two and a half stars on Amazon Prime um, <laughs> yeah. but I thought that I thought it was an excellent film it looks really really nice yeah it looks really nice and it's got a lot of meaning in it i think
2: i saw a pretty really rad movie i would totally recommend to you guys i'll just shameless plug right this cool movie that came out years ago i just saw it the other little while ago called um coherence and it's like it's really an interesting story because it's the writers decided that they should just star in the movie because no one else was going to pull it off the way they did it if they couldn't portray it to actors. So they just did it. And it's the most realistic, like human conversations in a movie I've ever seen. Like if you guys are familiar, with that primer movie about time travel, I don't know if you've seen that weird little obscure film. That's another I've, one where like the actor. Yeah. Yeah very accurate but coherence check that out because it's it's it all fucks with like time and uh, right. our perception of it and it's really interesting not that we're a movie review podcast but <laughs> that was a cool one too
4: i was trying i always try and slip a little bit of movie re- movie reviewing in
2: yeah when you find yeah, a good one podcast. these days it's worth yeah you just can't,
5: yeah you can't find them though that's mm. the problem
4: it's... well I, I i'll name another one that i've enjoyed in the last few <laughs> yeah. weeks It's called The Father, with Anthony Hopkins. He won his Oscar for it. That's a great film. All
3: right. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
4: Brilliant film. There you go. Those two, you're just looking in the wrong places, man. You're not going to find it in fucking
5: Marvel. I'm not even looking. That's the thing. I'm not looking for a film to watch. Ever, ever. (laughs) But that's the issue, isn't it?
2: I can't do Marvel. I mean, I... I did a little bit i watched the avengers and they were fun but i i just i don't know i watched loki because i knew there was going to be fucking tons of symbolism in it and oh my god yeah it's just all <laughs> yeah they're saying something <laughs> what's it yeah
5: oh that had uh your man in from uh jack and sarah loki
3: what
2: <laughs> say what Tom do not remember
5: the guy the guy from uh, with Nell and i
3: yeah richard e grant
5: rich oh. e. <laughs> he played loki from an alternative oh, universe geez. apparently I oh that's right
2: it. yes he did yeah there was a few alternate loki's it was it was curious but whatever enough about disney stuff so what have you guys been digging into oh disney in is satan research? yeah <laughs> is that what you guys have been digging into lately <laughs>
5: Oh. oh my god you brought you breaking up a bit. Yeah.
2: Oh
4: uh, no. Uh, some internet no. Last connection. time you last time you switch you switched something off. And... I switched something off. What yeah. the, the laptop?
5: <laughs> no, I don't some- think that will work. There was something You guys are coming in, in real right? good. Improve the uh... oh, I can't remember. This, this weeks, weeks ago. Oh I still bring no, <laughs> <laughs> I turned something off.
4: Yeah, it was like a few weeks ago when you when the system oh, resources
5: were low. Minimize that window. Sorted well, que- it. Let's yeah, talk now, Andy. It. No, it's fine. Check, yeah, check,
2: right, right. check. Yeah, we've got rid of it. Check yeah, we can we go see
5: yeah. that all the way through? <sighs> yeah, we've just yeah we are just just gone over an hour, <laughs> <laughs> and now <hour laughs> we've finally sorted it. I out. Just sorted the audio.
2: <laughs> There's always some and issue with live, man. That always happens. I've,
5: I've decided that next year I'm going to hyper focus on what I'm going to research rather than the Ooh. shotgun approach. I'm going to pick two subjects one esoteric one for six six months each no one esoteric oh. and one exoteric and alternate no sexy yeah Good sexy idea. yeah so oh, i'm yeah. not i'm i'm thinking at the moment i'm thinking ancient rome and the holy grail i think you've read everything about ancient rome though haven't you <laughs>
2: no <laughs> It's it's like not a, like a topic. Books. That's that sounds more like a topic and then a subtopic instead of two separate things. But yeah, okay, no, exoteric and esoteric. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, so I mean, intense.
5: When when it comes to the Holy Grail, I mean, you, you could go back to the original sources, the the Grail romances, and then you can go into King Arthur as well, mm-hmm. or Gnostic stuff, the Gnostic texts, the yeah. um, You know, there's lots of scope when it comes to King Arthur. And the Holy Grail.
2: Yeah, and don't they Rob, say he's like a myth or maybe not real or something like that. I have never looked into him.
5: <laughs> it's a controversial thing. I mean, the the story I mean, there was a great book uh, by two Welsh scholars. Mm. I can't remember the names now, but they they went into sort of the history of the myth and how it was passed down in an oral tradition by Welsh bards, these Welsh guys who would sing these songs about King Arthur. And uh, that's where it seems a lot of the mythology comes from, from North Wales, from Gwynedd and uh, Anglesey and around that sort of area. Um, so it's just a fascinating subject. I mean, the, the problem is, is trying to root it in historical fact, isn't it? Because mm. they can find archeological evidence of a battle at, 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 You know wherever but how do you attribute it to certain people in history is is very difficult Mm -hmm. if you don't have writing extant writing and all this is passed down orally because it's the dark ages it's like we said it's when the romans had left and we forgot how to do everything
2: (laughs) in this country so yeah i run into that problem in a similar way with like Ancient Babylon and Sumer and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They talk about this Anunnaki. That I mean, there's roots of this Anunnaki word that means basically the same thing everywhere. They they find a word in I can't remember what it is, but in Gaelic, in in that region of the world, it it talks about this similar idea of these helper gods or whatever it was, could have been, been these humans you know from the north or something but whatever yeah. it was it's like there's also so much astrological connection to these characters that are written about even to babylon and sumer so a lot of times when you get into like astro theology it feels like you're completely explaining all of these characters away entirely yeah. into yeah. mythology and it but then there's physical evidence of like, oh, look, yeah, this political system went here and here. This name kind of turned into this name and went here and here and across the oceans. And so it's weird when you have this symbolism, but then you also have some physical... Physical evidence. History, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
5: and textual evidence. You know, when it comes to someone like J- the big JC, yeah. you know, we have non-Christian textual evidence, you know, from Josephus <laughs> and um, Pliny the the, plenty of the Younger, or is it Younger? Or the Elder, I think it's the Younger who wrote a letter uh, mentioning the Christians at this point in time. Mm. You know, so, you know, if you've got multiple sources, mm. You know, it's, it's kind of alluring the astrotheological theological, astra-the- theological argument that these, you know, the son of God, well, he was the son God, it's the son It's, a, mm. you know, it's, it's, uh, just the embodiment of a myth. But, ah uh, yeah, I'm not buying it. I'm, not buying, <laughs> I'm just not buying it. Going back to the King Arthur next week. Um, Edmund marriage is coming next week. Big marriage, big marriage with a full on presentation. Oh. And this is, this links back because. He's going to tell us about how um, Jesus and Thomas Didymus (laughs) went to the East. Thomas Didymus? Yeah. Thomas went to India. He was the, uh, well, supposedly the first missionary, Christian missionary to India. Okay. And then they circle back, circle back and end up in the UK get the fuck out. yeah and this ties in with joseph of arimathea coming to the uk and glastonbury abbey and the oh. holy grail and all the rest of it oh right wow.
4: is this is like the holy grail doing the tour or something yeah man yeah yeah what
5: came to glastonbury yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so we're gonna find out more next week on that, yeah, I, that I reckon.
2: Good. that sounds awesome man nice yeah
5: yeah but yeah
2: well, it's been rad uh, talking to you, dudes. Yeah.
5: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're going to uh, we're gonna have to fuck off into the night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's what we do. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, it's, like, it's like tea time, though. You're going to have your dinner soon, are you?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's early here. It's still a nice day. i still <laughs> got work to do.
5: Well, oh, man, well, it's been groovy, Andy. It's been nice to meet you. No we'll chance. let you go.
2: Likewise, likewise. I hope to talk to you guys again. Probably get you on like some cool round table all about <laughs> these ancient topics, man. I would love to do one about the Holy Grail. That would be sick.
5: Yes. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, a round table. <laughs> yeah, about exactly. Yeah, the oh, nice the round perfect. table. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we dance whenever able. <laughs>
5: yeah. Oh, Andy. We'll sign off. Stay on the line for this one for one minute. That's why we play the uh, play ourselves out. We'll catch you on the flip side. Part two.
2: Ah, yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places. And remember, think for yourself, but don't always believe what you think. Till next time. Human
0: sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, vegetarian Enough! I got the point. <laughs> you uh, have meddled with the primal forces of nature, <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If oh. I know what we know, well, then I can tell you what we know, and if someone else knows. Okay? Uh. <laughs>